0: Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we review movies that we love, some of which are critically acclaimed, some not so much. I think this is pretty widely critically acclaimed. We're talking about a fun one tonight, and I'm excited to be joined by two of my friends returning for the first time since we are on our Muppets Christmas Carol episode, Corey Burton. And the last time you heard her was when we did Fight Club together, Danielle Lemoyne. What's going on, my friends? Nothing much. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Same. All right.
1: Excited to talk.
0: Let's do it. So, Ocean's 11, 2001 I remember. I don't. I think I was seeing the movie O in the theaters with uh, Julia Stiles and Josh harnett and walking through, walking through my local theater and seeing the poster for Ocean's Eleven the first time. And you see this poster, and it's got George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon, so on and so forth. And I'm just thinking, like, holy shit, how did they get all these actors in the prime of their careers together for a movie? And then to actually have it work, like you see a lot of movies these days. I think recently of uh, The French Dispatch, the the Wes Anderson movie, it had so many stars in it, but it was just they they were just kind of there and that didn't work as much. But this worked like so well. And I think that's a credit to Steven Soderbergh, who, in my opinion, really needs to be in the conversation when you talk about the the great filmmakers of all time, because just so many hits he's made from his first film, Sex, Lies and Videotape traffic aaron brokovich contagion the magic mike franchise this entire franchise just so many others that i'm sure i forgot to even mention even the ones that he's made that aren't super well received they're always just like a lot of fun and worthy of a conversation so i think the success of this movie obviously is the credit to the actors but him as well soderbergh just one of my favorite directors and i love this movie i love him glad to be talking about it with both of you Corey, What what do you
2: like about this movie you you mentioning the the star power in this movie. It's kind of like the Avengers Endgame of of actors, cause at that time you have George Clooney who's at his prime. He's post ER. He's a legit movie star by this point. You have Brad Pitt, who's been a legit movie star for about almost 10 years at this point. You have Matt Damon who is off the goodwill hunting um awards and nominations Uh, and then there's a surplus of other people who are either rising up like Bernie Mac at this point he had a show and he was just now becoming more mainstream. Um, Don Cheadle who had been in some movies before but now is um, being in more roles. Casey Affleck because Ben Affleck has been around but his younger brother being out there and so yeah just these uh, Julia Roberts, Andy Garcia like all these prime people from like the 90s are all together in this movie, and I don't recall a movie like that growing up with that much star power. So it was, I knew it was something special when I saw the poster and the trailer. So Danielle, I was, I was surprised when
0: you when you told me you wanted to come on this episode because you said this was a blind spot of yours, and we all have we all have blind spots in, in our uh, in our resume. So I'm cu- very curious on, on your thoughts as a first time viewer of this. Where how did you, how did you wind up with this one?
1: Um. Okay. Well. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. There's certain things I like about it very much. Um, don't yell at me, but I'm not the biggest heist person, but sure. I watched it because I'd always heard, and it was true, it was. It's very snazzy. Um,
2: yeah. And I was interested in seeing
1: it for that element. I mean, the, I agree with the cast and everything, but I'm not going to echo off the exact same thing. Um, some of the things about this film that I liked a lot was like the editing is excellent. Um, the The editing is like the transitions are very nice. There's like a lot of frame um, switches, like they flip the frame. Um, they have, there's an elevator scene where the doors are closing and the frame closes into the center as well, which I don't even think I've ever seen that anywhere. Um, so the editing is top notch on this. And, you know, I like to look at films not just from a storyline and acting perspective, but from a technical perspective. So that was something I picked up on uh, right away. And then the other thing is that the score is really fitting. Um, the score just works really well. It's very like jazzy and like, it's just those two things keep the pacing going um, very well, I think. And uh, also Soder- Soderberg was the the DP on it, which is awesome, you know, so, Um, that's not something you see very often either and that gives him a very controlled vision um, because you know he's setting up everything in terms of lighting all the the camera work you know it's just very hands-on so it was uh it was nice to see all of that and of course anyone that's listened to me on here before knows I love Brad Pitt so I'm always happy to see Brad Pitt um in any
0: role uh so that was nice as well I enjoyed it good movie all right, so you mentioned Brad Pitt. I mentioned I did this one we did once upon a time in Hollywood on our last episode. We've talked about him a lot on the show. I don't know if it's by on accident or purpose, but he, he's happened to just be a, a very big presence on this show. Not a bad thing. But I'm going to table our like Brad Pitt Center conversation. I'll let him flow organically as we talk about scenes and stuff. Same with Matt Damon. We've covered him a, a, a bit. George Clooney isn't a guy we've covered a lot on this show. Uh, Danielle, you were actually on the other episode yep. with Batman and Robin. We get to talk about them in a more positive light this time, so I'm I'm excited for that. Um, Corey, you mentioned ER. This isn't a show that I watched as a kid, but I was I was certainly aware of it. I knew it was a big big show on NBC, and I knew George Clooney was the star of it. Around this time, I had seen uh, the Robert Rodriguez film from Dusk Till Dawn, which I thought he was like very cool in. And there was also a rom com with Michelle Pfeiffer called One Fine Day One that Fine Day. Film, yeah. I got I got dragged to the theater as as a kid without a license to go see but i I remember thinking you know this is this is a a fine movie then i obviously i saw batman and robin which is something we, we don't need to relitigate but you know just just the fact that he was cast as as batman in the first place just shows that you know this guy is is a star and he's going anywhere thankfully he came out of that movie unscathed enough to be the lead in this a couple years later um just and in this movie, amongst all these other Titans that we've already mentioned, it's very clear that he's the number one guy and it's not easy to do. You put a lesser actor in this part and maybe it's not believable. I compare like the, the larger than lifeness of Danny Ocean to, you know, maybe not as big, but like Tony Soprano in terms of he's just he's there and you know, he's the number one character on this series or this movie. Um, Post Oceans, he, he's been in a ton of films, which I really loved. Michael Clayton, Syriana, Burn after reading up in the air, just all of these I probably missed a couple there. Um and I think at, at this point in time he's in the same bracket that I put Tom Hanks in in terms of quote just doing stuff. You know, recently he he's been in a Hulu series called Catch 22 which I don't I don't know if I don't know anyone who's talked about this. I know that it existed. I didn't see it. Uh, he was Back with Julia Roberts in the rom-com Ticket to Paradise" this year, which I did not see, wasn't critically acclaimed, but it made money. So it people was fun. Are still
2: It was a it remind me of my best friend's wedding, which sure. was Julia Roberts. It was a nice, safe, romantic Made 170 movie.
0: million in the box office, so people are still buying tickets to see his movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is good. I think he, they always will. I think he's just, just has that kind of cachet about him. Corey, any any thoughts on George Clooney, either in this movie or just in general?
2: Yeah. So George's career is is very interesting. So I remember him from The Facts of Life um, and also he was on Roseanne. And then when he got to ER, it was like, this is a movie star. He did a lot more serious movies besides Batman. and looking at his, I'm looking at his IMDb right now and realizing, wow, I've seen more movies than I thought. Like um, Three Kings, which is like, a people don't talk about the movie enough. It's a great David movie. David O. Russell, yeah. Um, or The Perfect Storm. Um, But he did a lot of movies where he was pretty, like, serious. I would say more adult-themed type of movies. And I remember Ocean's Eleven being the first movie where I'm like, this guy's cool. Like, he's, yeah. he's in a movie where he's not making fun of himself, but he he's flawed. He's aware of that. He's like, it is what it is. Um, but this was the first time I'm like, okay, George Clooney is a movie star that I want to go see his movies. I can I'm can relate to him in this film more than maybe his previous films. Once again, not counting Batman and Robin. <laughs>
0: Fair. Uh Danielle, any Clooney thoughts?
2: I'm a Clooney fan. Um, I like
1: his delivery in his lines and his um the way he carries himself. He's very confident and uh, very like cool and calculated. And he's just, he has a commanding presence. I, I like Clooney a lot. Uh, my favorite role of his is Ides of March. Uh, have Good you movie, seen yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Um, where he plays a presidential candidate and I think it's presidential like well, whatever. It's yeah, a yeah. Political, political candidate and you see the seedy side of politics and I just love him in that role. Um, but in general, excluding Batman and Robin, I do think he was miscast in that role, but that movie shouldn't have happened. Um, (laughs) but as a whole, I think he's a fabulous actor and I, I too like seeing him in film.
0: Julia Roberts, I believe, and I could be wrong. I believe this is the first time we've covered her here. And at the time of this movie's release, 2001, you can make a case that she was the biggest star out of this whole cast. You you could make that case. I don't know if it would hold water, but I'm sure that's that's opinion shared. Myself, and I guess I guess maybe the two of you and in a certain generation. We were introduced to her in the late '80s, early '90s with films like Pretty Woman, Steel Magnolias, Sleeping with the Enemy. Uh, these were all these were all staples in my house as, as a kid. This movie came out a year after she won her lone Oscar for Aaron Brokovich, and in the year that she also was in opposite Brad Pitt. As well in The Mexican, just, you know, she, like pretty much all of her co-stars in this, she's just been in, like, banger after banger. Um, last time we talked about Leonardo DiCaprio on our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, and I mentioned, like, every movie that he does is kind of an event, and I kind of think of her in the same light. Like, everything she does, you're paying attention to. Like, like Clooney, she's similar in that regard. And... I guess she's in the just doing stuff phase of her career as well. She's been on a couple of uh she was on an Amazon series Homecoming, which was really good. Gaslit, she was in a Watergate series on stars opposite Sean Penn, which was pretty good as well. And, you know, like most of the people in this cast, she's one of the best to ever do it. And she's she's really great in this well in this role as well, as Tess.
2: Corey, any any thoughts on her? Yeah, I, I think about Sandra Bullock. When they talk about like her now, it's like the probably one of the most like acclaimed actresses and uh, younger actresses. Um, and thinking about back in the nineties, that Julia Roberts was that actress. If she was in a movie, people were gonna go see it. And she has a very diverse set of movies. I remember as a kid, I don't know why I saw *Sleeping with the Enemy*. Um, it was a movie that kind of scared me as a kid. I uh, saw so, <laughs> um, but then she did *Hook* which is completely, completely different, or um, The Pelican Brief with um, Denzel Washington. Um, she has a great set of um, movies. Conspiracy Theory with Will Gibson, Stepmom, um, My Best Friend's Wedding, um, yeah. the Hugh Grant movie she did. So she has a great, um, a great library of films. I just remember being a child in the 90s that she was the it girl. She was the person that, actress that, if you want a great performance, um, you put her in those films. Absolutely. Already any Roberts thoughts?
1: Well, she was America's sweetheart. Yeah. So that's what they used to refer to her as. Yes. And... uh I, too, I happen to love sleeping with the enemy, or at least I think I do, because I haven't seen it in a couple same. of decades. I'm, I might
0: just leave it there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on my rewatch list. Um, mm-hmm. I organize my cabinets the way that guy does because, of,
0: because wow.
1: of. I saw that with all the labels facing forward. I was like, oh, that looks nice. And so I do the same <laughs> thing like a psychopath. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Roberts fan. I like her a lot, and she's done a lot of things that I have enjoyed. I think for the most part, I like her more lighthearted um, roles because that, you know, that plays into that America's Sweetheart type of thing. You know, the long lines of like a Reese Witherspoon or like you said, Sandra Bullock is another one. You know, she has that kind of sunny disposition that just works in those roles. All
0: right. So we have a stacked sidecast in this movie, obviously. Uh, we got. I guess start with Andy Garcia as Terry Benedict. I don't know if you consider him the bad guy because he's the one getting robbed, but I, he's the foil to foil to Danny. So he might be the if Danny is the anti-hero, maybe Benedict's the hero. That that might be a take there. Uh, the, the things that I knew him most for were The Untouchables, one of my favorite De Palma films. Uh, Godfather 3, not one of my favorite movies, but I thought he was he was pretty good, and that he was kind of a lightning rod in there. Uh, Don Cheadle is basher at this time previously worked with Soderbergh in traffic he was also in boogie nights and swordfish before this. So he was, I don't know if he was as big of a name as he is now, now that he's got, he's got some MCU cred, but at the time he was definitely, he was definitely on the rise. Bernie Mac is Frank, just so funny in this movie. I'm definitely gonna talk about him when we do scenes. I just love him in this. He was one of my favorite standup comics, you know, gone way too soon, unfortunately. Um, read that a lot of his dialogue in this was improvised, just comic legend. L- love him in this movie. Uh, Scott Kahn, this, this came out, I guess, a couple years after, I, out of high school, so I remember him in Varsity Blues as Tweeter, and I was just like, okay, he's opposite all these like big names, cool, I- I'm here for it. Didn't even mention the, the absolute legends here. Carl Reiner, Elliot Gould. These are guys I just, I grew up watching. Casey Affleck, just monster cast top to bottom here. Corey, anybody
2: from the supporting cast stand out for you that I did mention there or forgot to? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I think Don Cheeto and, and Bernie Mac are the two that kind of come to mind. I mean, obviously, when you're looking at this group, a Predominantly white group, um, but having um to have two black actors in there who were who wanted to come up, like I remember Don cheetah from Rush Hour, um, yes, yes. and so I didn't know him other or on, on black sitcoms from the 90s, and so to see him in this movie and Bernie Mac, who had also was a deaf comedy jam, had been on shows like Moesha. Um, and he, we in Black Hollywood knew him as an as up-and-coming person, but the keys of comedy was that movie that really got him to the broad, to the mainstream. And so to see him in this movie alongside these other um, acclaimed Hollywood actors um, was, was a joy um, to see. And his demeanor in this movie is different from the, the stand-up Bernie Mac. So it was cool to see that he has range and dimension. Danielle, how about you? Anybody stand out for you?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Andy Garcia and Carl Reiner. Um, Andy Garcia is the same type of actor as George Clooney. Um, Same type of style. And I gravitate towards those type of performances. I really like those actors that are like a presence on screen. You know, like when they speak, you listen type of actors. And both of them fall into that category. For me. Um, Carl Reiner is hilarious in this movie. Uh, He had me cracking up. I've got some good bits of dialogue to share as we go on. Uh, So the two of them are the ones that really stood out for me um, from the supporting cast. Excellent.
0: All right. So this movie had a budget of $85 million, made $450 million back. So anyone with a rudimentary sense of business knows that that means sequels are on the horizon. Uh, I should point out that before we get into that, there, this is a, a remake of a 1960 movie of the same title starring Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack, which I have not seen. Did either of you see this? Ever? I have not seen it either. Okay. No. All right. All, all I know is Frank Sinatra's character is named Danny Ocean, and none of the other characters are named after anybody in the movie. So that's where it, kind of where the, the connections end. I was going to try to watch this before. I just didn't get the time. So it'll, it'll stay there someday. Um, I believe you know I've said this on the show before I believe myself to be kind of vanilla chocolate strawberry if we're going ice cream flavors with my movie opinions but I guess one of my wacky opinions is that oceans 12 my favorite of this franchise I just love this movie and it's probably the least the worst received one out of all of these films but it just from the slow pace the grainy cinematography there's a scene at the end where they're just super winking at the audience I think Corey you perked up a little bit uh, a scene involving Julia Roberts in a major cameo—that's just so funny to me that everybody was just kind of groaned at. I love this movie, Danielle. I feel like you would hate Twelve. I don't know if you if you saw it, but I feel like if you watched Twelve, you'd be like, I, I hate this movie. But I, I love this. So this is kind of like one of my wacky takes, Corey. I'll I'll table your thoughts. Um, thirteen, it was fine. It was it was okay. Julia Roberts was out on this one. Al Pacino is in. As kind of the foil my least favorite of three but i didn't think it was, it was a bad movie I, I saw it in the theaters it, it was enjoyable enough i guess there's another hot take for me oceans eight the the all female cast i like this movie i it, it got kind of like deadpanned i don't know if it was in good faith the the bad reviews this was i think this was like a year or two after the all-female ghostbusters which was very bad in, in my opinion but This also got kind of like the same shit on it. I like this. This was fun. It was uh, Sandra Bullock. Here is Danny's sister. We have Kate Blanchett, assuming the the Brad Pitt role. You just got you know your plethora of stars like you do in these films. Uh, Rihanna, Hilary and Bottom Carter, Anne Hathaway. I'm sure I'm forgetting some here. Aquafina. Aquafina. uh, Who else? Sarah Paulson. Just big cast as you get in an ocean's movie. I like this. You know, I'm not going to like ride for it or anything, but I thought uh, I had a fun time at the movie saying this. As we are sitting here in February 2023, there is a rumored reboot on the horizon starring Barbie and Ken themselves in Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Do we need this? No, we we don't need this even a little bit. Will I be there? Probably for the very first show if it if it happens. So this is a franchise that will probably always make money regardless of. You know, who they put in them, you just put movie stars doing cool shit and people are going to show up to the theaters. Corey, what are, what are your thoughts on the sequels?
2: Um, Surprisingly, I have not seen Ocean's 12. Okay, um, I think it was at a time when I was in high school when Ocean's 11 came out. I graduated college with Ocean's 13, so I've seen that one, but I think because I was in school, I wasn't going to movies as often, so I actually haven't seen 12. I've heard people say that's the one they rank the the, at the bottom um, and so it's one I need to actually go back and, and check out and um, like you I also liked Ocean's 8 I don't think it holds the same caliber as like Ocean's 11 but sure. I thought it was a fun romp with um, you know I was interested to see like what the cast was going to look like and so the diversity in that cast the story was interesting how it ties to it's kind of like a side story um, to what happens in the other three movies and so it was one that I enjoyed and I was wondering if they were going to do a nine and 10. So that way you have a oceans eight through 13. Um, <laughs> but I didn't hear about the reboot. And so that's, that's interesting news to me. Danielle. I don't know if you did, cause you just saw this for the first time. Are you, are you
1: blank on the sequels? Seen, I haven't seen any of them. Uh Oceans eight. I almost saw, but it was sold out. So I went to see Endgame, not in game infinity war um, mm-hmm. on it's like, seventh week of release and <laughs> fell in love. And so and I've been an MCU fan ever since. So it worked no, out okay for me. It's a good
0: fork in the road moment. There. <laughs> yes. Do you have any any aspirations of checking the sequels out that's any well, point? Well,
1: I'm, you know, I did not, but I'm curious now because you said I would hate 12 yeah. and you were just recently wrong about Triangle of Sadness.
0: I so would love now, to be wrong again.
1: <laughs> so I'm curious to see if maybe and I now just want to know for that reason alone.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. So I'll just do that every time. Every time I want you to watch something, i to be like, Daniel, I think you're going to hate this. <laughs> yep, good idea. <laughs> All right, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll talk about our favorite scenes. All right, we are back. Favorite scenes, I'm going to carry on the same format that I did for the last episode. I'm just going to list off all the scenes that I noted, and then we could figure out which ones we want to talk about. So here's the scenes that I, that I put in my notes here. Rusty in the poker school with all the, the teen stars, the introduction to Basher, the gang all together at Ruben's house to talk about the job, uh, Frank, Bernie Mac buying the van, Linus impersonating the, the, the commissioner from the Nevada Gaming Commission, rusty calling terry benedict after as the robberies in progress progress and the end scene with them at the fountain Corey, where would you like to lead off
2: or if there's something i didn't mention there no for me i'll go later my favorite scene is the one with um with bulldog um the bruiser so when they have danny in that room um with the guy that like the guard there and you find out that they know each other and yeah they- actually helps him um out uh, with that and so I, that was something that you don't really see at that time in movies so they would be like oh yeah there's another person that's also involved in this i thought that was a really um a really cool moment He's like how's your wife pregnant again <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah great scene there i bu- yeah he showed up uh he was in 12 as well yeah a okay small part there so it, it was good good to see him uh danielle what's what's the scene you like
1: um well, I, I have a lot. I have others that you didn't mention. Sure. Um, but I can go with one you did. Or you then can we do whatever can you like. Always circle back. But the the phone conversation between Brad Pitt and Andy Garcia. Yep. Congratulations. Mm. You're a dead man. Uh, <laughs> I I love that whole scene. I mean, you've got two actors of great caliber just bouncing off of each other. Yeah, you know, So I thought that was, I enjoyed that scene a lot.
0: And Tess just Julia Roberts just walking up to him as he's on the phone, just like the look she gives him. And he like she knew the,
1: and then he goes right back into it.
0: Yeah, she knew it. And you know, who the hell is this? The man who's robbing you? Just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And Like you said, this is this is Brad Pitt versus Andy Garcia, just two Titans and they're 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 going at it. Just beautiful scene. Love it. All right, So the the Rusty Poker School, this is towards the beginning of the movie. This is when Danny gets gets out of jail. And this is these actors are playing themselves and they're they're just teens. This was, you know, this was 2001. So this was right off of Dawson's Creek, that 70s show. Uh, You have Joshua Jackson there, for Grace, Holly Marie Combs. I didn't watch Charmed, but I knew what it was. Shane West was, you know, having a moment there for a minute. And it was just these guys and Brad Pitt's telling them how to play cards. Uh, Josh keeps dealing the wrong way um was he oh I think Topher Grace throws down his cards he's like all reds and it just that that's yeah he not- thinks
1: it's a flush but it's hearts <laughs> and diamonds
0: that's not I, uh Rusty says to Shane West he's like Shane you have three pairs you, you can't have three pairs in a five-card game <laughs> it's just these guys don't know what they're doing and then you know Danny shows up later on and him and Rusty kind of con these guys and steal like I think probably about twenty grand off off these teen movie stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey, Corey, what did you think about that scene early in the movie? I completely
2: forgot about this scene. I'm like, "Whoa, look at all these WB actors here!" <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, and what's funny is like all these are actors who like are playing like the characters they play on TV are like the opposite. So you have like. Holly Marie Combs from Charmed, or even Barry Watson, who's Matt Camden from Seven Heaven. So you have these, and Topher Gretz from that 70s show. So you have these people who are, like, good nature, they follow the rules, but then it's like, oh, yeah, these are also adults who, like, they're playing a role, but these are adults who will probably go out and be the opposite of what they play. So I was, I was surprised that I forgot that scene um, because at that time, this was their heyday. This is when they were, like, running the WB and Fox. Yep. Danielle, what what you think of that scene?
1: Same thing. I like the the WB representation. I got a kick out of that. Um, it was like a taking it back to the '90s and being like, "Oh, it's you, it's you, it's you." And Shane West with his hot minute and a walk to remember, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it was uh, it was nice to see them all, and also to see how stupid they all, you know, the characters. the, the they play themselves, but obviously they're playing parodies of themselves. Yeah. I don't think they're that dense in real life. I should hope. Uh-huh. So that was a fun scene.
0: All right, so I like the scene where they get to they all get together at Reuben's house to talk about the job, and I like there's one scene where like Matt Damon, Linus's character is kind of like hesitant, and Reuben Elliot Gould walks up to him and he's like, "You're Bobby Caldwell's kid, right?" He's like, "Talk asking him about Chicago." He's like, "How's Chicago this time of year?" And he's like, "It's nice." And Ruben's like, "That's wonderful." Get in the goddamn house, <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. And you, you mentioned, uh, Danielle, you mentioned Carl Reiner. He was really funny in this scene. He's like, so say we get into the cage and through the security go- doors that we can't get through down the elevator. We can't move past the guys with guns and into the vault. We can't open. It's like we're just supposed to walk out of the casino with one hundred and fifty million dollars in cash without in- without getting stopped. And Danny's just like, yeah. And you see Carl Ryder, he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's just you know, just the confidence of these guys. That's what you know makes this movie so cool. These guys are just so cool. Uh, Corey, what did you think of the scene in the house?
2: Yeah, I. What you, I want to hit on what you just said, like everybody is like cool, and I think that's the theme of the whole movie is that there's a lot that happens. There's action. There's actually explosions. There's fights. But everything is just so cool. Like, it's just, like, cool, calm, and collected the whole time. And I like in the scene, like, it continues to set the tone. Um, Is People banter with one another. That's the whole, like, we're all... It's a serious mission that they're doing, but they're gonna riff. They're gonna make fun. um, They're gonna call people out. And so I just love the com- camaraderie that is um, done, the um, the joking that they do, but it it shows that this movie is like lighthearted. A lot happens, but like I said, it's like a lighthearted romp, um, and I think that that this scene plays onto that for sure. Danielle, what what do you think of that scene in the house?
1: Um, I I think uh, I my thoughts keep getting stolen from me, but uh, <laughs> I think that the chemistry is correct and you know that's one of many scenes that highlight how well these actors bounce off of each other and how believable these relationships are so uh i enjoy that quite a bit and just Corey, going back to what you said about it being light-hearted um nobody dies there's no like real violence and soderbergh like uh basically said that that was what he set out to do he wanted basically i think he wanted that kind of cool kind of vibe you know i mean you have to think this is based this is a remake of a movie that starred the rat pack i mean it doesn't get cooler than that you know so gotta maintain that vibe and these are all good ways to do that
0: i want to touch on a quick scene really quick i think i mentioned this in the opener it's it's brief but frank buying the van is a really funny scene bernie Mac kind of shines here and the the guy's name is, is mr denim and and bernie Mac's just like Denim, denim like a jean. And he starts talking about like hand moisturizers and his social agenda. And it, he's got his hand the whole time. And a funny note about this scene, the actor who's playing this this car salesman, his name is Joe Ledoux, not like a huge IMDb, but he was in Casino yeah. as the guy who gets the hammers in the hand where De Niro goes, you can have the hammer and the money or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. And I don't know, my interpretation of this was like the way that, Bernie Mac was like crushing this guy's hand. I don't know if this was Soderbergh winking at Scorsese because his other like major role was a guy getting his hand crushed, and I don't. That's I didn't read into that. Might be like an obvious thing, but I I read that a little bit when I found out who this guy was. Um, let me see here, uh, Corey. What's another scene
2: you like? I um, I enjoy when they bring Yin into the, when he's in the box and they bring him into. um <laughs> <want> a magazine? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's that whole, that whole scene is playing because he's also like, he doesn't really talk much in the movie. Um, no. And so when they, they pull him in, he sits at the middle finger um, at them. Um, but this movie didn't have like a lot of stunts really in the movie. And so when we got to that point, I'm like, yeah here's 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 where the magic happens this is during that time of jet lee and jackie chan movies and so it was cool that that was like while he wasn't really fighting anybody it was just cool to see like it especially because it's vegas and there's a lot of shows in vegas and like circus la and things like that it was cool to see that but be done with a heist
0: yeah yeah he was he was cool. He was great i love how the the flip you know when they did it in the mock vault he, he nailed it and then for suspense in the actual heist, he, he almost fucked it up. He's just overshot it a little bit. Yeah. Very uh, nerve wracking moment there. Danielle, what's another scene you, you like? Uh,
1: so in general, I just like, there's a lot of montages in, in the film and I'm a big fan of those, um, the way they're, they're done. But early on when uh, Ruben is going over the different heists that have been attempted and you get one that's like presumably from the 30s and you get one from the 70s and one from the 80s. And uh, in the 80s one, they've got a nod to Top Gun with uh, Take take my, uh, take my Breath Away playing as the guy <laughs> gets out of the casino and then pretty much drops all the cash, you know, and it's just it's just so upbeat and fun and you know, I'm a I'm very critical of pacing. I hate when movies are slow, and you know, I'm falling asleep, and it's just dialogue heavy, no action. And so, those montages really help break the film up to kind of like keep your interest. For I sure, know several of them, but that's that's the first one. I loved it. I got I, I love that they do did different decades, and they match the style to it. You know, like mm-hmm. in the '70s, who's talking about. Uh, how the guy messed up there and he was like hippie, you know, and so it was just, it was just really funny. I enjoyed it.
0: Another scene I enjoy uh, Linus, Matt Damon, in, impersonating the guy from the Nevada gaming commission, uh, Sheldon Willis. And we, we see like Brad Pitt giving him the pep talk. You know, he's like, be funny, but don't make him laugh. He's like basically be as unmemorable as possible. And, you know, we see this when he, when he introduces himself and super prepared because he's it's to get Bernie Mac in there to tell him that he's impersonating a guy, so they could distract Benedict from mm-hmm. looking at them robbing, starting getting the wheels in motion. And he's talking about uh, Bernie Mac's character, and he he goes, apparently he's got a record longer than the. Well, cool. it's it's long. It just, you know, <laughs> just, just funny enough, to, and he he mentions. Uh, Andy Garcia mentions an employee used to work with so and so, the guy's name and how's he. And Matt Damon's like, well, not since he died. So it's like, you know, they did like this crew, as cool as they are, they they do their homework. So that was that was a question that could have easily, you know, derailed the whole thing. But he he had the answer already. And uh, Bernie Mac just super funny again in this scene. He's like, he, he calls him a he calls him a cracker. He's like, do you want me to get on the table and dance? You want me to shine your shoes? Because you won't let me deal the cards, you might as well call it White Jack. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good in this scene, like him and Matt David going tete a tete there. I I just, yeah, I can't praise Bernie Mac enough. Uh,
2: Corey, what'd you think of that scene? Yeah, this, I think this scene, along with the whole movie summarizing, Danielle mentioned earlier this movie being cool and mentioning the jazz music. And one thing that's very interesting about like jazz music. When compared to other music, like if you have a classical music, it's everybody's together. You're all everybody's in sync. With jazz, each instrument has some point of solo that adds to the overall piece. And some and so I like the fact that every actor was building upon each other as if it was an instrument in a in a in a jazz performance. That they did their part, and then it would go back to the main, you know, the main song, and then somebody else would come in. So even with that. In that scene with with Matt Damon, and he has his part, and then Bernie Mac has his part, and it goes back. and I just thought that scene, the song, the whole movie, like everyone has an important role at a specific time to play. When we think we look at the song as the whole thing, it's it's all essential. And I thought that that's a scene that kind of um, makes me think about that. Sure, Danielle, do you have any thoughts on, on that scene?
1: Well, I'm going to connect it back
2: to the where the starting
1: point, which was the conversation between Rusty and Linus when Rusty's telling him, you know, don't look up, don't look down, don't do this, don't do that. And he's, then he says, um, and whatever you do under, you know, uh, for God's sake, whatever you do, don't under any circumstances. And then he gets cut off by somebody else <laughs> and you never find out what you're not supposed to do under any circumstances. (laughs) And I wanted to know where he was going with that, you know? So he left out that one little clue for uh, Linus to go in. So, but we'll never know what that was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's it's probably just another example of these guys being so cool. Like earlier in the movie when they're, they're still planning everything and they have 10 guys and, you know, Brad Pitt just has his head on the bar and he's like, should we get another guy? And Brad Pitt's just saying absolutely nothing. He's like, we should get another guy. All right, we'll get another guy. <laughs> it just says nothing. These guys are just so cool without saying anything. The last scene I have written down here is, is the end scene, but did either of you have anything you wanted to touch on before we go there? Uh,
1: let's see what specifically... Um, okay, I do want to... I'll go to, for time purposes, I will go to my Saul scene because I think this is hilarious um saul is getting his suit tailored um and it's tailored fyi by the the uh costume designer for the film okay Mm. and so he has a small little cameo so they're talking and danny says uh saul you sure you're ready to do this and saul says if you ever ask me that question again, Daniel, you will not wake up the following morning. <laughs> I, I was in stitches. I was cracking up and the way and he delivers it so deadpan and that it's just it's like a dry sense of humor that I really appeals to me and I really enjoy that. And then, you know, uh, D- uh Danny turns around and he's like, He's ready. You know? he's <laughs> like I'm not gonna mess with with salt.
0: No, no, really cool scene there. Okay. Uh, so the end scene, the, the the robbery is completed. We get, you know, this beautiful shot of everybody at the fountain. They, they go their several separate ways. Uh, Benedict does call the cops on Danny, who is committing a pol- parole violation. And, you know, Tess runs up to him. She's like, wait, that's my husband. It's the first time she's like acknowledged him a- as that. And, you know, we know they're going to get back together a really sweet scene with them. And then they just they they give you the the screen three to six months later. And we get the banter between Pitt and Clooney and Clooney comes out in like a tuxedo he's like I hope you were the groom and Clooney just fires right back he's like Ted Nugent called he wants his shirt back and he's talking about 13 million dollars you, you pick me up in this piece of shit and Pitts like I blew it all on the suit and just you know a lot of this seems like seems improvised Julie Roberts is like we need to find Rusty a girl and he's like I hear there's a women's prison down the road just just one-on-one they're just they're they're playing a volleyball with each other and I, I love the end of this movie and we do get the uh terry benedict's men following them which is kind of like a precursor to oceans 12 i just love the ending of this movie Corey. what were your thoughts on the ending
2: yeah i thought it was fun i like what you, you said when he's getting arrested danny's like oh three to six months and then when it goes it's like three to six months later so i'm like oh it could have happened at any point point." and so even like the way they made the film is making fun of that, so I thought that was a um, that was very that was very creative, um, and I like the fact that it he gets out and there's there's an opportunity for another adventure. So at that point, we didn't know we were getting a sequel, um, but the way it sets it up is kind of like if it's a one and done, it's a one and done, and that's and that's cool. Sure, but the way it ends is like I like these guys, I like the adventure they went on, I wouldn't mind seeing them. Um, you know, come back and the end gives a reason as to why they would have to come back. Sure, Danielle, same question. What
0: are your thoughts on the end?
1: So I found, um, I personally did not like Ticket to Paradise. And so this was the redeemer for me because I felt that George Clooney and Julia Roberts' chemistry was a lot better in this film. And so I'd like that end scene from, you know, from the other perspective of the romantic element of seeing them reunite, um, you know, and I just all their scenes throughout. I enjoyed um, their dinner scene, you know, and they just had they had good chemistry, you know. So for me, it was from like a personal place of being like, ah, okay they do have good chemistry. It's the movie they're in, not the, you know, not the actual chemistry between the actors.
0: For sure. Yeah. This is, this movie is awesome. I was really glad to, I watched it twice this week to, I didn't, I don't think I'd seen this probably like 15, 15 years, maybe. Uh, right. yeah, watched it twice. It was, yeah, it's still just enjoyable now as it was then Th- this movie rules according to the internet. So we have a lot of, we, I think I talked, talked to you about this off- offline before we got here. There was a lot of casting almost here. Obviously you're going to get this with a movie with this, this many roles and this many stars, uh, so the, the the two the first that I have noted here, considered for the role of Linus, Johnny Depp had the part of Linus, Mark Wahlberg, but he had to drop out. This is, you know, again, this is according to the internet, so it might not be true, but Mark Wahlberg had this part, had to drop out to do Planet of the Apes. Ooh. Tough break for my guy. Ooh. You know, I, I didn't mind that Planet of the Apes movie, but I, I think this would have been, you know, a bigger, a bigger mark on the resume if, if he got to be in these three three movies alongside all these titans here uh depth might have been cool but i ultimately I, I like matt damon in this part I, I don't i don't think i'd switch anything casting but it's fun to talk about these uh cory any,
2: any thoughts on either of those i i am personally g- glad neither one of them were in this movie <laughs> <laughs> to a few um i like yeah i like everybody it has people we know it has people we may not have known i yeah i'm good with um, Mark and Johnny not being
0: in this movie. <laughs> How about you, Daniel?
2: I actually think Mark Wahlberg might have worked
1: because he's another one that you know his roles are iffy, but he's also someone that delivers. He he, he also has a presence to him, you know, in his delivery. So I think that he might have worked. You know, uh, it's not that I prefer him, but I think he might have worked. Uh, Johnny Depp. I love Johnny Depp, but in no way, shape, or form does he belong in Ocean's Eleven. So could not see him in any single role.
0: Maybe Mark Wahlberg would get his revenge a couple of years later in The Departed by killing Matt Damon. <laughs> it, it... <laughs> I forgot
2: about that. Wow. <laughs> All
0: right, so the Malloy twins, this is a fun one. Luke and Owen Wilson were originally cast in the Scott Con Casey Affleck part, had to drop out to be in the Royal Tenenbaums. I'm cool with that because I love that movie and I love them in it. So I don't know. I, I think that's probably an upgrade for this film. If we get the Wilsons instead of Scott Conn, that's just, that's my take, but I'm glad things worked out. the way. I had no problem with Scott Conn or Casey Affleck. I thought they were really good in this movie, but might've been, you know, looking back on this all this time later, at the Wilsons in, in these parts, but I'm glad the Royal Tannenbaum's worked out as it did. Cause that's, that's something I probably want to cover at some point. And I love them in that movie. Corey, what say you on that?
2: Yeah, I I like the fact that we got Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn because also the fact that they are family members of other uh, Hollywood actors. So Casey Affleck being Ben Affleck's brother and Scott Kahn being James Con's son. Um, and I, those are people I didn't really know back then. And so yeah, up and coming. So when I watch Hawaii Five O or something. I'm like, oh yes, yeah, the guy that was in Ocean's Eleven. And so I, I liked the fact that, and by that time I knew Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, whether it was Home Fries or the Shanghai Noon um, movies, and so- I'm, Zoolander, I, Zoolander, I, yeah. I, I think these, are, these are people that, they're familiar because they of their family, but they were not well-known.
0: Um, sure. Danielle?
2: I don't see them in those roles.
1: Um, they're too, like, their comedy is just a different style, you know, that- they would be in something more inherently funny than, than something like oceans. There's humor there, but the humor is, it's not up. It's not like its primary focus is not to be funny, you know? And they, I feel that they belong in more, you know, straight up comedic kind of roles.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. These are some fun ones for Terry Benedict. got Warren Beatty, Michael Douglas, Ray Fiennes. I think I said that right. Ray Fiennes. Corey, you're nodding. I th- Am I saying that right? Okay. Because yes. I've been, I was saying Ralph Fiennes my, my whole life until I, until I heard his name mentioned on a podcast. I yep. Like, Ray oh. Fiennes is right. Okay. My life is a lie, but okay. I got it right this time. All considered for the role of Terry Benedict. I, I love the Andy Garcia on this part. Michael Douglas might've been cool. Previously worked with Soderbergh in Traffic a, a year prior. Would have been cool, Warren Beatty. I, you know, doesn't do much anymore, and wasn't doing that much at this point. Might might have been cool, but ultimately, I like Andy Garcia here. Corey, any, any thoughts on any of those?
2: If only Warren Beatty was wearing his Dick Tracy outfit, <laughs> i have been okay with that with that casting. But you're right, because by that point in the 2000s, I think Bullworth was like one of his last movies. Yep, that he did at that point. Um, and so, yeah, I don't I don't know the dynamic between them and Julia Roberts. Um, and so like, I like the fact of Andy Garcia, um, I think age wise, they're probably within the same age where compared to those other people. Um, but I, I like Andy Garcia. I feel like he's like an unsung, like actor. Like he doesn't get the, the credentials that in the flowers he deserves. Rafe
0: Fiennes. I, I remember that. I think this was around the time of Red Dragon where he, he was, he was the bad guy in that. I can't forget the the name of the killer. And he was, he had that big tattoo on his back. And he like he killed Philip Seymour Hoffman, like ripped his tongue out of his mouth, and then lit him on fire. That was that was like my intro to Ray Fine. So him in this role would have been fairly terrifying. Danielle, any thoughts on any of this?
1: Um, I could see Michael Douglas in the role. Uh, I I definitely, as I mentioned earlier, Andy Garcia is one of my favorites in this film. So I definitely am glad how it worked out. But Michael Douglas has his own kind of commanding presence where I think he could have pulled it off as well. Um, but okay. I, I think it worked out the way perfectly. The sure. way it should.
0: All right. I got a couple more here, but that, that's, it. that's all I got on the casting almost uh, a couple more anecdotal. Was it either of you have anything you wanted to hit before I go there? As far as
1: anything from, from the, the internet? internet?
0: If, if not, I got a couple more.
1: Okay. well, one thing I want to you both might be aware of this or might have forgotten it or whatever. But just for the listeners, I found this was so interesting that Soderbergh was up against himself for best director for an Oscar for Traffic and Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. So he lost to himself. but also won against himself. And (laughs) I think that I read that and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, I was looking at all his, his history and his filmography. And, you know, you don't see that often where a director is nominated for two films in the same category.
0: Right. Either of you look, I usually, I post these every year. Steven Soderbergh like documents his watch lists. I know in our movie group that we're in, we, we post our watch list every week. And, you know, usually they're, they're most of them are pretty impressive. Ours are shit compared to what this guy watches this, this, I don't know if you've ever read them, but I usually post them at the end of the year. Cause he posts them. And then I find them, and I just I spend like a couple minutes reading them, and I'm just like, holy shit! Like, like this guy's watching all of these movies and shows while making like these banger movies, and he he like reads a book every week. This guy just m- must not sleep. I don't. Were either you aware of his his watch lists?
2: No. no but They're, I'm on
0: the web. I'm on the
2: internet right
0: now. And he's, I would Google like every day. Steven Soderbergh's watch lists. It's it. You'll you'll have some fun looking at it, and it, it'll be like holy shit i watch a lot of movies but i need to step my game up <laughs> we gotta
1: get him on letterboxd
0: i i'm guessing he probably <laughs> is i would I, I gotta that's something i'm gonna check when we uh when we wrap up here i'll check if he's on letterboxd i'm sure he, i'm sure he has to be but yeah soderbergh's watch lists are. i think i've posted them the last two years in the group they're just super impressive um okay i got two more here One, don cheadle uncredited in this film i don't know if either of you noticed that uh, i didn't know
2: that yeah I
0: wanted to be top billing alongside the the uh big three there damon clooney and and pitt and i guess you could say big four if you include julia roberts there uh he was refused by the studio for whatever reason i guess we talked about him earlier you know wasn't like a, i knew who he was in 2001 but wasn't like a household name yet would be is now but i don't know if he was then uh so he's uncredited in this movie he would get top billing in 12 and 13 Just thought that was like an interesting little tidbit here. Even if you look on the IMDb, look for his name. It's towards the bottom in an uncredited role. So that was cool. And then uh, Soderbergh originally wanted this film to be black and white. And the studio agreed, but they said they need major budget cuts in return. And Soderbergh decided that wasn't worth it and went color. might have been cool. I don't know if it was necessary. I still would have enjoyed the film just as much, but I, I don't think added any value or subtracted any glad it was yeah. color. It's, yeah, it's fine. All right. Before we do, did either of you have anything else you wanted to hit before I we go into trivia?
1: Um, just uh, one last thing that uh, they were playing blackjack uh, while they were there because they were staying at the Bellagio. And so the cast was playing blackjack and George Clooney lost 25 hands of blackjack in a row. Breaking my guy. <laughs> I wonder what table he was playing. How much yeah. was that minimum bet? Yeah, because that's yeah. He, uh, he got taken to the bank in one <laughs> evening.
2: Yeah, tough, tough run. Black, like, that'll get you quick. Blackjack. Okay. The only thing I had was that this is not a fact. It's just, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Cory. As I was watching the movie. I was thinking this movie reminds me of another movie that came out right after, just in the nature of getting people together to do this big like thing. And I realized it was Big Fat Liar with uh, Frankie Muniz, with Frankie Muniz, Paul Giamatti, and Amanda Bynes. <laughs> Kids movie. Um, I remember it's it. not a heist, but it's about like these group of people who have been wronged who come together to get to get revenge um and just think about like i wonder because that came out in 2002 of like was that was Ocean's 11 inspiration in the production of that movie (laughs) i you know i did see that movie i don't remember much about it but
0: i I do remember malcolm in the middle and uh, amanda vines that was yeah i do remember that film i remember the poster and it's like frankie munez and amanda Bynes with paul giamatti like tied up in a a seat yeah yeah cool movie poster all right, Danielle, you said you had a trivia question. Would, would you like to go first or would you like me to?
1: Sure, I'll go first. Go for it. Okay, which of the following five cast members was not on an episode of Friends? Okay? Okay. So we've got George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, Julia Roberts, and Elliot Gould. So one of them was not on Friends and the rest of them all were.
0: All right, who first?
1: Uh, you can go, Dave.
0: Okay, I know Elliot Gould played uh, Monica's father, Monica and Ross's dad, so that's out. Um, Brad Pitt was dating Jennifer Aniston at the time, and I know he was at least one episode. I think, if I'm not mistaken, George Clooney showed up as his character from ER. I might be wrong about that, but I think he was in an episode. So the other options were Julia Roberts and who? Matt Damon. Shit, it's one of them. Um... I want to flip a coin and I'm going to, I don't remember hearing about Matt Damon in an episode of friends. So I'm going to go, that's going to be my guess. I, I'm pretty sure it's one of the two.
2: Okay. Corey. I'm going to go with Julia Roberts. I feel like Matt Damon may he could have been on our earlier season of friends before he got big. Whereas Julia Roberts was always big during that show. And I know like, Christina Applegate was on there, but I don't recall Julia Roberts being on Friends. But I could be wrong. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, you, Dave, you were correct that it was one of the two, and the answer is Matt Damon.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I know there were a lot of big names that showed up, and I, I knew I knew it definitely wasn't Elliot Gould because he had a recurring he had a recurring yes. role on that show, and but... I knew
2: Brad Pitt was on there because he played a character that
0: hated Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have known if you asked me
1: because I've never paid any attention to friends other than Jennifer Aniston's ha- haircut. So <laughs>
0: who was who was Julia Roberts out of curiosity, or did I have think? no idea. Okay, I'll, I'll this, <laughs> close this up later. Okay, so I'm going to give you a list of actors here. Which of these actors have appeared in the most Steven Soderbergh movies? Is it Julia Roberts, George Clooney? Matt Damon, Channing Tatum, or Don cheeto Corey,
2: what do you think? Ooh. That's a well, let's see. Um But Chan Tatum has at least been in three, because this the Magic Mike movies. Um But Matt Damon's also been in movies too. Gosh. I mean... He gets a lot of people to work with him again. Yeah, and Don Cheadle was this in a movie with him a couple years ago. Uh, <laughs> that What were the options, the twists again?
0: Julia Roberts, George Clooney, Matt Damon, Channing Tatum, Don Cheadle. Yes. <laughs> it's tough. Rose Clooney. We're just gonna <laughs> okay. Just
1: gonna pick one. Yep.
0: <laughs> Hope for the best. Danielle, how about you? I have to do the same thing. I'm gonna go with Matt Damon. Here you go, Damon. Okay, uh, Danielle, you got it. Uh, Damon was in nine. So Damon had the most. Let's go. Nine? Let's go. Bonus nine movies of his. I'll tell you. I'll spout them off in a minute. But let, let's do a little bonus trivia. Who who out of the the remaining four has been in the least amount of Soderbergh movies Julia Roberts uh, George Clooney Channing Tatum or Don Cheadle who's been in the least what do you think Corey
2: I'll go with Julia Roberts okay
1: that was my answer but I'm gonna go with Don no I'm gonna go with Julia Roberts too
0: you got it it was Julia Roberts has only been in four all right so the nine Matt Damon has been in he was in, obviously, all three Oceans movies. Uh, che, part two, which I, I I know those are with Benicio Del Toro. Those are two of my Soderbergh blind spots. He was also in Contagion, The Informant, which was, was a batshit movie that, that was, I love. Uh, Behind the Candelabra, where he played uh, Versace Liberace's boyfriend, Liberace, played by Michael Douglas there. Unsane, the, the movie with Claire Foy that was shot entirely on an iPhone.
1: He was in Unsane? Yeah, oh, a
0: cameo. Wow. Yeah, he okay. was a uh, he was a cop, uncredited. Okay. And then no sudden move. The the recent, uh, I guess, crime movie. Yeah, with
2: Daniel he was in.
0: <laughs> yeah, he had a ca- uncredited as well. Had a cameo there. And then, uh, yeah, Julia Roberts was in Forged. She wasn't in Ocean Thirteen, so she was in the two first two Ocean movies, and then Aaron Brockovich, Full Frontal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, Tatum was in Six, Haywire, Three Magic Mics, Side Effects, which is. A, love that movie so much and logan lucky which is another fun fun one where uh, him and adam driver play brothers i believe if i, if I remember that correctly that was yeah. a lot of fun so yeah just soderbergh just just hit after hit okay awards time Sixth man this is you know this is so many candidates for this and i'm not gonna go through my process because there's so many i could talk about but i think if you were listening to my conversations earlier and my praise for this guy bernie mac was just you know, so much fun in this as as Frank, and he'd be so great in this franchise in general. And I just, I love him, and I was so sad when I found out he died, and it, it was tough. But he's just so funny in this movie. His, his dialogue improvised, and he's, you know, Corey. You mentioned Kings of Comedy. He was mostly like a stand-up at this point, and just to put him in this movie with like these titans, and he just blended right in. He didn't look out of place at all. He was he was right there. This was kind of like. My first foray into him is like as like a movie star. I would watch a little bit of his TV show, and I'd seen his stand up. At this point, but just I was like, this guy's a star, and he was so great in this movie. So for that, for those reasons, Bernie Mac is Frank is
2: my sixth man. How about you, Corey? Oh god, it's so it's so many yep. to choose from. This person could be the MVP. I'm gonna go with Brad Pitt as your sixth. Okay. I yes, I I think part of it too is that at the time this movie came out, Brad Pitt was known as, like, he was he did a lot of serious movies. He didn't really do comedies. He didn't really do... Um, and so this movie where he kind of let his guard down, he was like snarky and he was like he had jokes and he also plays a thread throughout the whole move like movie, with all the characters he interacts with and i just remember being surprised by that when i saw it as a as a teenager so i mean i know he could probably be the mvp but i will i will go if you took bernie Mac, i will go with brad pitt
0: okay i I like it how about you daniel carl reiner
1: um okay he's got He's got the best lines and he just delivers them the best way. I mean, Saul is dating a woman that works at the unmentionables counter at Macy's. <laughs> I mean, it's just scene after scene. He just had me cracking up. So that's my guy.
0: Okay. I know. I like it. I like, I think like, that'll be a good poll. number two. Was Carl. <laughs> All right. MVP for me. I, I guess, I guess I kind of showed my hand in the beginning when I, when I talked about Clooney, this was, you know, Amongst all of these, like just a Mount Rushmore, you you could say of like movie stars there, and Pitt and Ju- Julie Roberts, Matt Damon, he's he's a couple feet above everybody in the, in this movie. He's the larger than life presence. You know, he's the leader throughout this whole franchise, and that's not easy to do. And he does it kind of like flawlessly. So my MVP, and not much to think about for me. I don't. I don't. Maybe you two feel a little differently. But I went, I went Clooney as Danny Ocean for my MVP. What about you, Corey? Same.
2: Okay, Clooney is it for me? Um, yeah, this is one of my favorite roles that he's done in his career, um, and he and he's the glue that holds everything together. Um, but but yeah, he's also my MVP. All right, cool. And Danielle.
1: Well, believe it or not, I am also going with Clooney. So I. I don't know how I like this. All of us agreeing. <laughs> I, I am uh, as as much as I'm a Brad Pitt loyalist. Um, this is Clooney's role through and through, and he just he's he commands the role and is just so believable. He's he's great in it, so I have to give it to him.
0: I can't, yeah, it, it, yeah, he's just so good, and I de- I definitely recommend the uh, the others in this franchise because he's just as good in those as well. Corey. What is something good you watched this week?
2: Yeah, so I started watching the show Shrinking on okay. Apple TV+. Plus. So it's made by the folks who do Ted Lasso um, and Jason Segel and Harrison Ford and Jessica Williams. Um, really good show. It's same as Ted Lasso's. Very um, funny, emotional, all the above with that. So I really, um, it's about four or five episodes in. So I recommend Shrinking. And I'm also watching The Last of Us on HBO. Yeah. played the video game. Um, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of characters. But it's been a really um, great series to watch. Yeah, no, I'm really enjoying both of those. I'm also on
0: Shrinking. I think I'm three in. But yeah, Harrison, Harrison Ford's doing TV shows. Just what, what a time to be alive. Yes.
2: <laughs> I also saw Quantumania, Ant-Man the Wasp. I'm probably in the middle of people. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I, I thought it was fine. I I'm probably right it. where you
0: are. Yeah, I I, enjoy, I had a good time at the movies. Danielle, how about you? Would what, Would you watch this week?
1: Um. Well, I finished uh, Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass on Netflix, and uh, I was behind on that. I was a little uh, hesitant to watch it because I thought it was going to be too scary for me. Uh, but it had just enough scare to it, and. The uh, acting was phenomenal. I became familiar with a guy by the name, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but ha- Hamish Linklater, Linklater? Yeah. Um, who is exceptional in this role. And I'm uh, moving on in the Flanagan universe. I'm supposed to be doing a binge of The Haunting of Hill House, which I'm scared to death. And also watch *Blind Manor. I'm a big Flanagan fan since... Um, uh, Dr. Sleep, since seeing the director's yeah. cut of that. So uh, very talented guy, a lot of emotion mixed in with the horror and great stuff. Uh, I also rewatched the movie The Cell um, that was with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Vincent D'Onofrio. And it held up just as much as I, I loved it just as much as I did long ago. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Uh, the visuals are insane. Uh, that's the first thing that stands out. Just everything from uh, the photography to the costumes, just amazing. And D'Onofrio kills it as a serial killer. Um, I don't. I know you haven't seen it, Dave, right?
0: I'm a Vince D'Onofrio fan, but I, I have not seen it. That might sell me a little bit. I didn't know he was in it. What about you, Corey? You ever
2: see it? It's a blind spot for me.
0: Okay, well, in the movie,
1: he... He um, the way he kills his victims is he puts them in a tank and slowly fills the tank up with water. Ooh. So he drowns them, right? So you've got that element of the serial killer silence of the lambs type of intensity going on. So that's like the, you know, the real world stuff. And then the technology is, is that Jennifer Lopez can get into the mind of somebody and see what they're seeing and kind of converse with them and try to whatever. And so she goes into his mind and his mind is twisted. Um, she says that he's, he's basically the king of a very twisted kingdom. Um, and that's what it is. And it's, if you like darker imagery um, it's definitely, it's something I highly recommend. Great. Sure. I,
0: I remember seeing the movie poster when I, I 2000. This is from.
1: Uh, very possibly. You just seven.
0: late 90s, early 2000s. I 2000. think. 2000. You got okay.
1: the
0: Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer, and I, you know, I in, when I was like 18, 19, I wasn't seeing every single movie like I, like I try to do now, not successfully, but yeah, that was one that just slipped by me, and you know, I do like Vincent Ofrio, obviously Kingpin, and. You know, whenever I watch Law and Order that he was in, he, he's he's a really good actor. I, he's so
1: he's chilling in this role. He yeah. really, he kills it.
0: All right. Literally and figuratively. It sounds yes. Like. <laughs> All right. So I'll go, uh, I'll go TV movie. Um, I jumped on the show on Showtime, Your Honor. I don't know if either you. Brian Cranston. Yes. Yeah, right? this, this is oh, yeah. Brian Cranston. It was, a, I believe this was originally supposed to be a limited series. Uh, then Showtime just show does their Showtime thing and something successful. Let's 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 keep it going instead of just leaving it be. In this case, I hated the ending of season one. I, I you know, I wouldn't shut up about it for a little bit and then I just I let it go. Um, I did not like the ending, so I almost didn't watch season two. I'm about three or four into this. This is really good so far. I'm I'm glad that I got back on this and it's a lot of uh, a lot of familiar people. If you if you're somebody who watches a lot of TV, like probably the three of us are. Uh, Brian Cranston, obviously breaking bad. Um, whom I, Isaiah Whitlock from the wire is, is plays his best friend in this. Uh, hope Davis is in here. She's recently on succession too. Michael Stuhlbarg, just uh, boardwalk empire fame. Uh, Mark Margolis who plays Hector in breaking bad. The guy with the bell is in this. We got a little breaking bad reunion there with, with him in Cranston. Uh, Margo Martindale is in this. It's just stacked cast. It, it's a really good show. I, it, was you know the premise is Cranston plays a judge whose son accidentally hit hit and kills a kid in a car accident and the, the kid turns out to be his father was the most powerful gangster in this area played by Michael Stuhlbarg and a series of events occur as Cranston tries to cover up the crime and you know shit goes south as you would expect to in a show like this. And I hated the ending. I, I mentioned that, but I'm glad that I got back on it because it, it redeemed it. It's redeemed itself so far, and I'm hoping it doesn't disappoint me again because I this is a good this is a good show. It's really tough for to not be a good show with all the people involved in it. So I'm enjoying this. Danielle, did you watch? You said you knew of it. Did you watch season one? No. Okay. All right. This was this was good. I, I I'd give a soft recommendation. You know, if you're like I need a show to watch right now, it wouldn't be on my top five things I'd recommend to you, but. It's good. I'm enjoying it. And then movies, I watched this, I guess, unknown indie-ish film called Ruby Sparks the other day. This is starring Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan, who are obviously married in real life. And this is about, Paul Dano plays this, uh, this very successful novelist who's having trouble in love with love, and he's writing a story about the love of his life, and lo and behold, she comes to life in the form of Zoe Kazan and it's just a really like a really sweet movie and touches on kind of like a lot of important themes there good supporting cast uh benning is in here antonio banderas chris messina Elliot gould from uh the movie we're covering tonight he, he's in this as well as he plays danos therapist and the, the one-on-ones that they have are, are pretty good scenes in this movie either you heard of this because i hadn't i hadn't heard of this movie until sunday that's I've when I watched heard it. of
2: the the title, and I kept getting it mixed up with Ruby Bridges, which is about a young black girl integrating into the schools. And okay, like, this is not this is not it. But I saw it. I saw the poster like last in the last week or so. But all I know is the title.
0: Might have been because I posted it. But that was I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, "What is this?" I that was okay, sure. And I just kind of just like. All right, this is an hour and 40 minutes. I was like, yeah, I'll I'll check this out and it was on Hulu, so I didn't have to pay a VOD. It was it was good. I recommend it's, you know, I recommend it. But that was that was the movie I watched this week. And then uh well, I'm going this week I movies are back. You know, I'm going to they see a go to see a double feature next week and I don't have to travel. Oh, so I'm so excited to see uh what's the the new guy Richie Operation um Fortune? Yes.
2: The movie so, we've been waiting for for like two years.
0: Yeah, so that, that so that's playing in theaters. I'm going to see that and Creed, the same that, Creed three, uh, next next week. And tomorrow I'm going to see Cocaine Bear. Yeah. So like my a list is my a list is getting put to use. Scream Six is out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah. and these are all like like I I you know I, I semi complained to Danielle a lot that I, I have to travel to go see a lot of these movies. I don't mind going to New York, but it does get a little expensive. Sure. But yeah, these are all these are all playing locally. So I'm really yeah. ex- excited to not have to take long trips.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm back in the movie pass, So I'm back in the movie pass game. So this is a great time. Has nice movie pass. I haven't used it yet. This okay. cocaine bear will be the You'll be live, your debut. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see tomorrow.
0: If it doesn't work for cocaine bear, you can you can use it to like cut up cocaine for <laughs> <laughs> use that card for something. <laughs> Dad, I'm sorry, i cut you off. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. Um, I was just saying that uh, Saturday, I'm going to see Emily. I'm jealous. I was pretty impressed that that my local theater picked that up. I was ready to, you know, my thinking of, um, and for anyone that doesn't know, it's about Emily Bronte, who wrote Wuthering Heights. And the sole reason I want to see it is because Wuthering Heights is my favorite book of all time. And so, you know, I'm curious about her life. And so uh, I was already to be mapping out where I was going to have to go. I've yet to go to. I'm in Virginia, and I've yet to uh, venture to DC to have to go see a film. But I was, I was ready. You know, I was like, all right, I'll have to do it to to go <laughs> see this. And then I saw it was 15 minutes from my house. Nice. So, all right.
0: So that's one for me. That's still just in Emily's, just in New York. So I'm like, all right. You know, m- maybe I'll, I'll wait a little bit, see if it's, if it comes locally, but I don't know what we'll, we'll, TBD, but other, other than that, the, the slate's pretty booked up with the A-list. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be getting back to the theaters. Corey, where
2: can we follow you? Yes, you can find me at the KevinB84 on Instagram and I'll rather links start in my Instagram profile. Got it. Danielle. Daniel.
1: You can find me on Letterboxd um, at uh, Danielle41515, and I post a good five to eight reviews a week, I would say, so, and I'm always interested in what people have to say, so come on down, share your thoughts, and happy to interact.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you. Good follow there. And I'm on Letterboxd as well, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under the same handle at DDEM2000. We have an Instagram and a Twitter for this show. It's at Was It That Bad Pod. If you want to talk to myself, Corey, or Danielle about this movie or any other the movies or shows we did or didn't mention tonight, you can join the Movie and Television Talk Facebook group by simply typing that into a group search where the red cover photo would love to talk to you. And. Next week, we are going to be covering... We got a couple of good ones coming up. Ghost is next week. And then two weeks, We this was a reschedule. One, things happen sometimes and you have to move things around. But uh, American Psycho, we're finally going to get to. So we got a couple of good ones coming up. Either of you have any thoughts on either of those films?
1: I was going to re-watch American Psycho. It's been on my rewatch list for the longest time. And then one of the my friends who is in our group uh inform me that there's a dog murder. And so now I'm
0: there now is a dog I'm, murder and I did watch it recently and I forgot. It's a quick one. It's about it's about the equivalent of the John Wick dog murder. That's how fast it is.
1: I'm about to rewatch that and that made me cry the first time, but <laughs> I have to rewatch all the John Wicks to prepare. So sure. I'm gonna have <laughs> to deal with it. But yeah, just uh for everyone that knows me, be very careful. It's tough. I you know I don't
0: it's yeah. it's, a deterred, like, it's not a, it's not a, I'm not going to watch this, but it, it's tough. I don't like this. I don't like to say that either, but it was the dog death in American psycho is about as quick as the John wick dog death. It's very, very brief. Corey. Yeah. Just
1: for anyone listening, I do recommend midnight mass, but there is a brutal dog death Ugh. in that, in the second episode. So, and I recommend does a dog die.com. If you want to know whenever you're watching anything.
2: God bless the internet. <laughs> I've I've seen neither one of these movies. I know the cultural impact of American Psycho and Ghost. Um, and they've always been on like on TV in passing, but okay. I've never watched them as a whole. But there are two that have been on my list as films to watch. All right. Oh, American Psycho is an excellent film.
1: So mm-hmm. that's something you should bump up on your list. And you know, hopefully you don't react the way I do to dogs getting hurt. So
0: <laughs> All right, well, Corey, Danielle, it was great to talk to both of you tonight. I had a blast with this movie. Yep. Thanks for having
1: us on. on. Yeah,
0: (laughs) of course. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll catch you all next time. Night, everybody.
1: Night. Night.